Wellington Links rely on partnerships and the amazing work of so many organizations and leaders to achieve our collective community goals. I hold dear the bonds of friendship. We are friends transforming communities through service. implement transformative programs that address the most critical needs of underserved communities. Welcome to LinkedIn Impact with the Arlington Links, a podcast which transforms our community by highlighting the issues, resources, and leaders that you need to know. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of LinkedIn Impact with the Arlington Links. My name is Krista Jones, and I'm excited to host this podcast produced by the Arlington, Virginia chapter of the Links Incorporated. I have been honored to serve in several leadership roles in a number of different organizations in our community. For me, I serve because I want to make an impact. When we look at what is facing our community, whether it be racial inequity, health disparities, or economic injustice, it's easy to get discouraged. These are all complicated issues that will not be solved overnight. It takes leadership, often slow and often incremental. I have always wanted to ensure that all community members have equal access to that leadership, equal access to those tables and all of those back rooms. Today we have with us three black women leaders who have cracked the code. They lead, they serve, and they do it well. Aaliyah Gaskins serves on the Alexandria City Council. Amini Bonane is a champion for women and girls. And Charnel Herring is a member of the Virginia House of Delegates. Listen into our conversation to see how they lead and share their pearls of wisdom. Enjoy the conversation. So to start off, I'd love for you all to talk about what do you feel are the pivotal moments that define where you are today? Sure, I'd be happy to. For me, I think the most pivotal experiences in my life really began early on in my childhood. I was raised by a single mom, and despite her working two, sometimes three jobs, we struggled to make ends meet. And my mom has asthma and diabetes and a number of other chronic health issues. So when we were younger, we spent a lot of time going in and out of the hospital. There were times when we would go to the emergency room, sometimes 10, 12 times a year watching her continue to fight just to stay alive. And the older I got, the more I realized that that fight was made much harder when you have diabetes, but there's no food to eat in your fridge, or you have asthma and we're in a home that looks great from the outside, but has mold and rodents on the inside. And so watching my mom, I think really instilled in me that everyone should have the opportunity and the resources they need to be as healthy as possible. And that oftentimes decisions we make in cities about housing, transportation, jobs, wages, access, all of those things impact whether or not people can reach their full health potential. And so I wanted to serve because I wanted to address those issues. And even when I'm not working on the city council, the career and the work that I do professionally continues to be focused on those connections between health and housing and the communities where people live. Amini, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I definitely agree with a lot of these points in terms of just creating the spaces that we need. So me growing up as a former refugee coming to this country because of my country being torn apart by war, having to learn a new language, learn a new culture, and just navigate a completely new world really kind of forced me into leadership because I wasn't going to survive unless I created the spaces that I need for others to come together that have similar backgrounds as mine as immigrants come into this country. And so just growing up, I always found myself to be that person when I see groups of people that come from the similar backgrounds to be the ones to advocate, to be the ones that spoke up. And all the things when I was younger that I felt that society would push me to be ashamed of, like by looking different, by sounding different, are actually the attributes growing up as I'm looking through like my career and the things that I have to do that help build me into this person that's able to navigate so many different spaces. So I really grew up to appreciate the differences, right? And starting to celebrate differences amongst the groups of people that I encounter with, because I'm seeing now that it helps a lot with building that community. And I'm able to just really immerse myself and also just take the lead to create spaces for others to come behind me, to take that chance to put themselves out there and to celebrate where they come from, even if it's from a different background. And so I've grown into my leadership in a way where I feel like I'm trying to build a legacy, especially with my nonprofit work, for others to come behind me and know that it's okay to be different and that they can take the lead on being just that. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. And the most pivotal points, I think, were certainly on my time experience as a homeless teenager with my mother living in a shelter. That was a pivotal moment because it's basically taught me the value of education. I knew that without me going to college, our situation would not change to lift us out of poverty. And I think also just the opportunity to go to law school with the support of my mother and completing law school. If it was not for a state university, I went to George Mason. I would not be here. They had a wonderful program for economically disadvantaged students to get a jump start into college. So those were like the three things that had most impact on me to leading to where I am today. So often people think that leadership, it is so unattainable. But both of you talked about your own personal experiences and how that placed you in your leadership roles or gave you that different perspective that all leaders need. So I really appreciate your responses. What are some of the most rewarding parts that you all have felt in terms of leadership in our community in Northern Virginia? I think for me, the most rewarding has been in my nonprofit work with my organization called Brains and Beauty, which is a mentorship program that encourages young women to define and refine themselves first, regardless of society's definition of who we should be. And Starting it out, I didn't really know like what I was getting into. I, all I knew is that we were going to be based on our mission, right? And being able to partner with Fairfax County Public Schools and actually see the young girls be inspired and the college-age women especially who have never held a leadership role by the end of the semester, like they were able to mentor on other people. And so I think what I'm most proud of is starting a chain reaction. And I graduated from Mason back in 2020. And the program is still going on without me, which means that like the seed that I sowed, I sowed, <laughs> I sowed, has definitely started to sprout and spread like a chain reaction. And so I'm really proud of the legacy of women just basically lifting as we climb. So yeah. Yeah. For me, I would say the most rewarding part of serving on the Alexandria City Council has been the people I meet. 
hands down, I get to interact with and engage with some of the most interesting and inspiring people in our community. And I don't know if I would have had a chance to interact with them otherwise. And I think being in this role, it's my job to then find ways to elevate and lift up their stories in the policy work that I get to do. And I love that. I love being a part of kind of bringing those connections, bringing those perspectives to the forefront and making sure that we're doing policy in a way that's responsive. I'm thinking of even just today, I went from meeting seventh and eighth grade girls and we had a long conversation about what they want to be when they grow up. Everything from registered nurse to a TikTok influencer. I had a chance to meet with a woman who owns a yoga studio and she's trying to expand it so that it'll also have a coffee shop and places where women and others who come to the studio can come and talk about community issues and fellowship. And then this afternoon, I get to meet with a group of our clergy members to talk about gang violence prevention efforts in the city. For somebody who loves people, it's been a great and rewarding experience to get to meet with so many different folks. The most rewarding part is seeing the effect of change that has happened, whether it be from a constituent call, they needed help with a DMV issue, and getting nice, thank you so much, or seeing the impact of my legislation that it has on people's lives. I carried the early voting bill in Virginia, and I went to early vote one day, and a woman walked in and said, thank goodness I'm able to vote today because she had to get to Florida to take care of her father. So when you see the real life impact of your work, that's truly rewarding. Too often, again, people think with leadership or public service, it just gets such a bad rap. I was talking to someone the other day just about politics and politicians and how they just really don't have any faith in the political system, but we don't get to hear enough about all the great work and how rewarding it is to a lot of our public officials. So I really appreciate you all sharing. Another thing that you always hear about is work-life balance, but I'd love for you all to get a little bit more into how you balance, and some of you have addressed it a little bit so far, but I'd love to hear more. How do you handle both your career and service to the community? So there are times, obviously, when this intersects, at times when it's hard to manage both. Can you talk more about that? And we'll start with you, Aaliyah. Thank you, Krista. And I love we're just talking about the bad rep that politicians get. And I think sometimes part of that rep is that people forget we are human too. I, for the Alexander City Council, it's technically a part-time role, but you can't do this well if you're only doing it part-time. So it is a full-time job. I also have my full-time professional job. And then I am a mom of two and a wife and I have two littles who are seven months and three years old. And so this is a really pivotal time in their development. So when it comes to handling service and career, I think one of the things I constantly try and dispel is this myth when people are like, well, how do you do it all? The reality is I don't do it all. I handle it by being able to prioritize, to set boundaries, be clear when I need to say no, being able to really think about the fact that no day will be the same. Some days when I am the best councilwoman, I'm probably not the mom I want to be or achieving the standards I've set for myself and my family. Other times when I'm probably the best employee at my day job, it means I can't go to a ribbon cutting or I might have to miss certain events. So I think it really has focused on for me, getting clear on those things, giving myself grace when I cannot do it all because it all is not possible. And then prioritizing the things that I think are most important and then are going to help me be able to go to sleep at night knowing that I've been the person that I want to be 
for myself, for my family, and for my community. Yeah, um, Aliyah said the magic word, which is prioritize. My community just elected me as chair of the homelessness task force that we just created in the city of Fairfax. And right after the meeting, someone texted me like, Amini, how are you going to do this? Like, you're so busy. Well, for me, I learned that I'm never too busy to champion for the causes that I am very passionate for. And so passion really has to reflect in anything I do, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's anything that I put my time and effort to. And just giving myself that space to love what I'm doing while I'm doing it kind of helps me with balancing things because it's not going to be a source of draining my energy and doing things that kind of just take the joy out of life. And another thing that I definitely am very proactive about is being in spaces like this where I can learn from women who have already walked the walk and observe how they handle certain situations because I love to learn and absorb because that's the only way I'm going to be able to navigate when it's my turn to occupy certain spaces. And so really, really surrounding yourself with a group of people that you can trust to uh, stand in the gap for you is so super important because as Black women, <laughs> we're expected to put on cape that I am sorry, but that thing is way too heavy for me. And I discovered that earlier on because just in society and the pressures that we face like at home and going out into the world, um, it's hard enough. And so really, really being selective about my circle and making sure that all the things that I'm putting my energy into are giving me life back. And so... Um, balance is really about the choice that you make and just surrounding yourself with people who are able to bear that burden with you. So I luckily that I'm able to do both by by just being my own boss. <laughs> that, that was the way I was able to do this, be able to be a part well, I say part-time really as a full-time legislator and um, earn a living. So I'm able to do both, able to serve my community and do things that I love. I'm a mediator now, a trial attorney. I love my work love my community and it also just keeps me involved and my mediation skills, whether it be something that is political or not, I'm able to help individuals in the community. So I've been able to keep a good balance. I think coming out of the pandemic, there's been a focus on mental health. Even before the pandemic, I think we were starting to talk more about how particularly women in leadership focus on exercise, eating right, things like that. But are there other things that you do to ensure that there is a focus on wellness in your life? And we'll start with you, Amini. Yeah, that's actually something, especially coming out of the pandemic, especially since I was a pandemic graduate and the world had stopped and I was supposed to be starting my life in a frozen world, pretty much. And so wellness is definitely something that if you're not intentional about keeping it, your body will shut down and force you to keep it. And so I've kind of learned my lesson the hard way with that. But Again, it's all about the choices you make, like I said earlier, the people that you surround yourself with, because they will also be your partners in accountability to make sure that you are scheduling in that time. So for me personally, I like to start my days with myself, quiet, with my thoughts, with just blocking out the outside world, not even taking my phone and going for what I like to call hot girl walks <laughs> in the mornings. Because just being in nature and just surrounding yourself with that peace and quiet, I feel like starts... But it sets the tone for the rest of your day. So definitely just scheduling time where you just don't have as many interruptions as you would like. Of course, the world's not perfect, but just being really intentional with having yourself put in that mindset of peace and quiet will definitely help. Because if you don't, then you're going to be forced to. And I'd rather be the one like choosing as much as possible. So, yeah. You just gave me a whole new energy for my walks. 
because walks are an important part of my wellness routine as well. So I'm going to have to start channeling my hot girl mornings. But very similar to you, for me, I start the day after I get the kids to school and situated. Before any of my meetings start, if I don't have something super early, I like to go out on a walk. And it's an opportunity for me to do my devotional, to say my prayers as I'm walking, sometimes listen to a good sermon. But I find that for me, it's a space to really just get some physical exercise, but also prioritize my spiritual wellness and spiritual health and just set the tone for whatever decisions or things that I have coming up throughout the day. Right. I have a commitment, right? I have a schedule that I keep to when it comes to exercise. Thursday's my training day. I work with a trainer. Mm -hmm. I definitely go to Pilates afterwards. I do yoga. It's just good for our health, reducing blood pressure. Mm -hmm. I, I used to have high blood pressure. I don't anymore. And making sure that I'm keeping with those schedules because I need to make time for myself so I can make time for my constituents and be in a healthy condition because I'm not able to serve them if I don't take care of myself. So thank you. I really appreciate you all sharing that. I think all of us are looking for ways to make sure that we sustain our wellness practices. So those are some great tips. So even though you may not have led in other areas of the country, I'd love to hear about whether you have seen any unique challenges just that you would assume maybe for leading in the Arlington and Alexandria area. And we'll start with you, Aaliyah. Yes. I guess one of the things that I have been reflecting on, I'm about a year and a half into my first term. And when I ran, I remember just thinking about how fortunate and lucky we are to be in Northern Virginia, where we have such a strong democratic presence, where we have so many folks who are committed to progressive values. And I thought that when I was on council, there'd be a lot of things that would be really easy to move because I thought they are very reflective of, I think, some of the things that the Democratic Party and other progressives have said are key priorities. But I have found that I think a challenge we face is that doesn't necessarily make it easy, that sometimes some of the issues that I think will be no-brainers, they're actually sometimes the hardest to move. I find that as a community, whether it is housing or environmental issues, we're often divided in ways that I might not have expected previously. And so a lot of my leadership has really been trying to find out where do I go to hear from voices that we don't always hear from? How do I lean into and really understand folks' concerns? And how do I find ways to push forward the things that I do feel are reflective of our values and address any concerns that folks may have? But also push when I feel like there are things that we just need to do do as a community. Yeah, and over here in Fairfax City, especially in this, I'm two days into my job as chair of this task force, I've already observed a disconnect between what we're doing in our actions as like a task force with the city council and working with city staff and the word getting out in terms of like progress towards the, some of the solutions that we've been coming up with. And so. For me as chair and work my vice chair, I'm definitely going to be making an effort to make sure that the community feels more connected, right? Not everyone can make it out to a meeting once a month or twice a month. And so those are the people who are being affected by some of the things going on that need to be kept in the loop the most because I feel like most of the complaints that we've been hearing just been due to lack of inaction. Even though there are things going on, they just don't. And so I'm definitely looking forward to being that connecting piece so that 
people feel like they're part of the solution and not just being attacked by the problems that we face. I think the unique challenges that we are tax-based, honestly, if you mm-hmm. look at our population, most individuals a lot are working on the federal government. So when it comes to funding our schools, which is, of course, with our property tax base, as well as the money for Richmond, but transportation, all that is presents unique challenges. Because we're Arlington and Alexandria and so close to D.C., the impacts of federal law, we see it first, and especially when it comes to the income of our residents. So when there's a government shutdown, for example, a federal shutdown, it's a huge impact to our communities. So that's one unique aspect of the area. Excellent. And a lot of times when we think about our careers and any work we do in the community and just overall our leadership, the question or the topic of mentors and sponsors always comes up. And I think for so many of us for so long, the topic has been brought up informally, the idea that you should get a mentor would be great if you have a sponsor. But I'd love to hear from you all if you have specific examples of how mentors and sponsors have played a role in your work that you know of, either your career, your leadership, any of your service work. And we'll start with you, Amini. Yeah, well, I'm lucky to be on this call with my mentor, the one and only Kristen Jones. (laughs) Only because I know that in leadership, there's just so much imposter syndrome when it comes to women in leadership positions, which is why having strong women like you to help me navigate these things and immersing myself in programs like the campaign school at Yale, which we both graduated from, to kind of seek out that network of women who kind of like replenish your cup when you're just overwhelmed by like doubt and naysayers and people gaslighting you to think you're not good enough. And so it's so important to have that sense of sisterhood because there are other women who are on the same path as you. It's just that we haven't been able to access them because of different circumstances of life, but I'm definitely a product of someone who went from coming from a culture where women are expected just to submit, you get married, you have kids, and that's basically like the goal of your life, to being able to navigate spaces where like, I don't have to water myself down, I'm allowed to speak my mind, has been so pivotal for my journey as a leader in other women who I've mentored over the years through my organization. And so I just can't stress the importance of sisterhood and just staying connected because there's no one that knows this journey better than someone that is also trying to navigate life and trying to get their their voices out there. And so just sticking together, especially in a world that pits us against each other so much, is so important. So I really encourage young ladies to reach out to networks to find those sisters who will be able to navigate the journey with you. So, yeah. Yeah, I would say that my mentors have been really helpful to me in two ways. The first is similar to what Amini described in terms of being there to be a champion and to send words of encouragement and to remind me sometimes when I forget that I am enough and I'm on the right path. I'd say the other is just keeping an eye out on opportunities or things that I might not think of. So I've had mentors reach out and say, you know, I think you should be on this panel, or I think you should connect with this person, or I know you're not looking for a job right now, but here's a job you should consider. And every time I've leaned into those opportunities, I mean, turned out in ways that I would have never even expected, but in all ways that have been really positive for my growth and development as a young leader. Been key in all of those in my work, my mentors, really, I call it my boss and my second job as an attorney. I still keep in contact with her. 
because she's always played a role in my legal development in my career and still does because sometimes I will still give her a call if I'm considering something and it's good to have the mentor there. And in my political life, I also have somebody who helps me plan, thinking about what I'm going to do for the next session and what constituents are saying to me. It's always good to have someone you trust, to be a sounding board, and to listen to you. Let you know, honestly, if you're slip is singing and be really honest with you. And it's valued. You don't need a lot of friends, but having a very good mentor or somebody, a close friend, to be there and listen is important. For me, in the work that I've done with leadership, I'm glad, Amini, that you are feeling the support from me because in terms of my leadership, that's something that I have really focused on, is not only trying to assist and advise and mentor other people, but bring other people together who can do the same. And we hope that this will really continues. So I loved hearing you all's perspectives. One thing that I feel like we don't talk enough about, and I don't want to use the word failure, I'm going to say not winning. I'd love to hear what you all have experienced in terms of some of the times where you have not won in your life. How have you handled it? How have you moved forward? How have you been resilient? I think we're on you, Aaliyah, next. Yes. As I was thinking about this question, I realized, I don't know, maybe this is, is true for other people as well, but when something does not work out as planned for me, whether that's a failure or not winning or just like, damn, that just did not go right. I think I go through stages. The first for me is I think sometimes it stinks and I need a minute to sit with that. I need a minute to really process and deal with that didn't work out and that sucks. That feels bad and I don't like the way this feels. I think from there, I usually then try and spend some time with myself as my faith is a big piece of my foundation. So I just spend some time really thinking about what else might God have planned for me? What else might be in store? And how do I begin to turn this from a really bad thing to looking at maybe what's the opportunity or what's the thing I'm not considering? Once I feel like I've wrestled with it a little bit, I love to talk to my support system, whether that's my husband or friends or even a mentor who might be in the field or someone I know has dealt with something similar, just to talk it through and really get some critical advice around maybe, was there something I could have done different? Was there something I'm missing? Is there something I'm not seeing in this? And then from there, really trying to build my resilience and my confidence by just keeping my focus and my faith forward. I cannot change the outcome that has happened, but I can learn from it and I can keep moving. And that doesn't mean there aren't days where that like bad feeling that was in stage one doesn't come back, but I try and constantly then reflect on and focus on then what is working now and what can I use to build from this. And I'd say all throughout this, I'm probably listening to a lot of music or other things that help me stay grounded, but also help me up when I'm feeling down or in a stuck place about a situation that did not go as planned. I really love that you brought up that bad feeling. You thought you maybe had worked through it, but it comes back because I grew up thinking that this is how you do this thing, and then you do this thing, and then you do this thing. And life taught me really fast that it's not a straight line. There's going to be ups and downs, and it's okay to feel like you're back in that space because that's just your body continuing to process things, right? It's not just a one-stop shop, and then that's it. You're done with these emotions. And I quickly realized that's what makes us human beings. I want to think just being a virtual 2020 graduate, 
and trying to navigate a job market in a world that was not functioning for at least two to three years was really trying time because I had lost my job, my dream job, like helping marginalized women um, start their own businesses over at the Women's Business Center. And I was like, okay, so if I am going to survive this, I need to learn the art of the pivot. And so I spent the next couple of years really seeing what exactly is an industry that I can navigate to that will make me not have to choose between my passions, right? So like I'm a community organizer. I also love being women in business. And then I discovered the tech world and how I'm able to, even if there is a global pandemic, work remotely. And so I've been doing that ever since. And it's been just such a joy to see that even if things didn't work out the way that I wanted to, I wasn't doing, I had to choose basically to pivot into a whole different industry. If you're still staying true to yourself, you'll still stay on that right path. And so I was actually able to find opportunities in the tech world where I didn't have to give up my love of nonprofits. So instead of working at one, now they're my clients and I help them navigate whatever software that we are developing at the company that I work at. And so it's kind of just mindset from like, I failed more so like I figured out a different way how to do this without giving up what your core passions are. Because for me, I don't know about y'all, if I'm not passionate about it, I can't do it. I'm just really, really grateful to be able to like incorporate all the different loves I have in my life into my work, which also goes back to that earlier question about finding that work-life balance. Because I feel like if you're really doing what you love every day, it doesn't even feel like work. And so not failure, but just figuring out a pivot. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I always allow myself time to be in that low spot that is not long. And when I say time, I give myself no more than half an hour. Then you have to pivot. You have to think about what happened, what mistakes were made on your end, whatever, you know, we can't control other people, but learn from them because without failure, we can't have success. So we, so it's always learning. It's okay. I feel bad. Time to think and pivot. The quicker you can pivot and then make a take a positive action, the better. I'm the immediate past president of the National Women's Political Caucus of Virginia. And in 2021, we had a forum where we brought together women who had ran for office who had not won at least once. And it was just great just hearing their perspectives on what they went through emotionally, the advice that they got or didn't get. Now looking back, what they learned from it, that whole experience. And after hearing that conversation, I came up with the idea that I think a lot of times we just are not used to, not only do we not say no enough, we're not used to hearing no enough. And I really think that for kids, especially, and oftentimes young girls, it starts young. Like we should create a culture of where it's okay not to win. I mean, I know we're a competitive culture, but it's okay. What is wrong with being told no? What is wrong with not getting the top prize? So I think that we really need a cultural shift. We'll all operate better as humans. So I really appreciate you all's perspective. And so finally, what advice do you all have for those who want to lead in our community? And I'll start with you, Amini. Take whatever you feel insecure about. Really do the work to find out the roots of those insecurities and turn them into basically your strengths, right? So how I grew up feeling insecure about not fitting in and not knowing how to navigate situations. When I really leaned into those things, I realized those were actually strengths because 
I'm now able to go into unfamiliar spaces and go in there knowing that like, yes, I may not immediately be comfortable in this space, but guess what? Uncomfortability is what's going to push you into spaces that you've never even dreamed and rooms that you never even thought of being. And so getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, I feel like is one of the greatest strengths you could have being a leader because that's, if you want to make like an impact, that's how you really are able to connect with people from all walks of life. Because at the end of the day, with all the sacrifices that we make as women, as wives, as mothers, as just community members to put ourselves out there and take like the brunt of what it means to be a leader, that's what makes it worth it because you're really inspiring someone else to kind of step out of their shell and to contribute whatever it is that they were put on this earth to contribute. And sum it all up, just go for it. You never know your strengths until you're put through that fire and you'll be surprised at how resilient you can be. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think earlier, I mean, you said something. You used to think there was a, a right way of doing things or like a perfect order. And I'll be honest, when I first started thinking about becoming a leader in our community or even, I mean, all the way back in middle school and thinking about leadership, I always thought that that meant, okay, it has to be like the biggest and best thing. I have to be the one to create the club. I have to be president of the club. I have to be the one who is orchestrating and putting all the pieces together. And I think the thing I'm learning now and that I would just encourage folks who want to lead is that it can start small. It can start with a simple act in your community, whether that is showing up to a public hearing and talking about something you're passionate about for one minute, whether that is if you notice there is trash in your park and going out and getting a group of neighbors together and you're picking it up together. Whether that is marching at a protest or whatever that looks like for you, I think it can start as a single act and you can build from there. But I would just encourage people, don't be afraid to start or don't wait until you feel like you have to find that perfect thing to do. It's okay to try many different things. It's okay to maybe there's different issues you thought you were interested in getting engaged in and you go and maybe for those issues, that's not the one you want to tackle, but it's something you still care about. And then maybe there's something else where it's like, yes, I absolutely need to be the one to organize and put this together because I have a vision that no one else has. But I think give yourself grace and time and space to figure out what that looks like for you just to take that first step. Be involved in your community. I started a local commission here in the city of Alexandria, a women's commission. So being involved in your community makes you a leader, develops trust. Individuals know that you're here to work and to work for the community. So always being involved is very important. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your perspectives. And I know that there are plenty of women out there that will learn a lot from our conversation. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Aaliyah, Charnel, and Amini, and that you have learned more about what it takes to lead in our community. For more information on the Arlington, Virginia chapter, visit our website at arlingtonlinksinc.org and follow us on social media at Arlington Links.